Welcome to another episode of Vibrant Potential. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Frickman. Do you ever find yourself meeting one goal only to be reaching for the next right away? In this episode, Sean Croxton gives his surprising answer to exactly what to do about that. Sean and I also talk about how to get what you want out of life. Keep in mind, this is a dude who built a seven-figure business from the ground up only to decide that that business was feeling stale, so he was going to build an even better one. You can really tell that Sean has learned a ton from all of his interviews over his career. In today's episode, he distills some of the best advice that he's gotten from people like Bob Proctor and Lisa Nichols. And we also have a lot of fun. Sean tells some of his biggest life lessons that he's learned up to this point, and I tell a story about how a guy flipped me the bird, and that really made my day. This was a really fun interview for me. I'm a big fan of Sean's show, The Sessions, as well as his older show called Underground Wellness. Sean sets the bar really high for people in the podcasting industry. He gives a great interview. He's super authentic, and I'm very happy to be able to bring you an interview with him today. So without further ado, here's Sean Cruxton. Welcome to Vibrant Potential. We provide you with everything you need to know to overcome stress, fatigue, and chronic health challenges, as well as optimizing your performance in fitness, relationship, and business. We use integrative health solutions and functional medicine strategies, including brain-based approaches, inspired fitness tips, emotional intelligence coaching, and spiritual growth techniques, so you can live the life you want, connect deeply with others, and fulfill your vibrant potential. Your host is functional medicine expert, genetic biohacker, and triathlon coach, Dr. Chris Frickman. Sean, thank you so much for coming on Vibrant Potential. I appreciate your time today. Thanks. I appreciate it. Good to be here. So I actually, I have listened to your show too. Uh, you used to have a show called Underground Wellness. It was a good show. And uh, you ditched it kind of like you, or you came to completion with it, however you would say it. And, and you started a new one. I, I actually like the new one even more. And it's a little bit more sort of like personal growth. And it, it feels a little more, um, at least for where I'm at in my life, it feels a little more, I don't know. I feel more authenticity come through. I don't know if that's because you're being more authentic or just because it speaks to me more. But I, I love the new show, The Sessions. The reason that I asked you to come on the show is my show is Vibrant Potential. And I'm a functional medicine doctor, I'm a chiropractor, and, and so I talk a lot about health, and, and we certainly have shows about fitness and relationship and emotional intelligence and kind of like the whole gamut, but the, the thread that runs through it is it's, it's for people that are interested and committed to living their vibrant potential, so just getting the most out of their life that they can, living their purpose. And I loved one of your emails that was talking about, you're just being like really vulnerable, I felt like, in your email. And you're like, hey guys, like, I'm kind of like scared about this. Like, I, I had this like pretty large following in underground wellness. And, and uh, I started the sessions and it was kind of a leap for me. And uh, the downloads are not as high yet. Like, I'm sure you're hoping they, they are eventually but the downloads aren't quite at the numbers that, that you had before. And um, you're just kind of sharing about that. And I really appreciated that. And so I was hoping that we could talk a little bit about why you decided to kind of make that jump and, and kind of some of the fears around it and why you decided to, like, what, what, was, what drew you to do it anyway, even though it was kind of scary? <laughs> well, well the, the email that I sent... While it was a, a vulnerable email, it wasn't intended to be as vulnerable as it, it came off to be. And I have no problem with vulnerability. There's tons of vulnerability in my email. The title of the email was uh, having doubts, dot, dot, dot. And the email itself, 
um, did talk about those things, how I took this leap and how it was a scary leap and that the downloads aren't what they were before, which I expected. However, there was a line in the email that said that I've um, received lots of comments and emails from listeners who at first were having doubts about whether they would like the show. Yeah. And so a lot of people thought that the subject line, which was having doubts, was me having doubts. It actually wasn't about me having doubts. It was about the listeners having doubts of whether they would like it or not. And so there were some testimonials and they were just, just kind of nudging the people who hadn't, the people who were listening to Underground Wellness Radio. It was kind of nudging them to say, hey, check this out because it's pretty cool too. And here's yeah, what yeah, people yeah. were saying about it. And so I just wanted to be clear on that one because a lot of people misunderstood it. Um, but in terms of taking the leap, um, you know, Lisa Nichols, who, who's a fan, phenomenal motivational speaker and author, she says that callings have seasons. And for me, underground wellness, like that season had completely ended. It was just over. I was no longer as enthusiastic and excited about the content that um, I was covering on the show. Um, it started to feel like something that I, I had to do and something that I was expected to do uh, rather than something that I wanted to do. And um, jumping into the personal development space was something that I wanted, been wanting to do for quite some time. Um, it's always been, you know, that seed within me that, that kind of wanted to, to, to grow and do that. Uh, it just didn't get to the point where it became like this, this gnawing feeling until maybe a little less than a year ago. And um, I found myself when I was filming the depression sessions going, this just isn't really doing it for me. Like, this is burning me out. This is not something I want to do. I'm just kind of faking the funk. Now, I know and a the, lot of the people. depression sessions. That was uh, an online summit that you did with, with some other experts and things. Exactly, exactly. Yep. And um, you know, I used to work one on one as a functional medicine uh, practitioner, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. And you know, one of the common denominators amongst a lot of my clients that I worked with was that they hated their jobs. And I always told myself that I will never be in a position where I hate my job and I'll feel stuck in it because it can just only eat away at you for the rest of your life. And so I said to myself, just one day, um, I just got tired of being the underground wellness guy. And I said, okay, I'm going to phase out. Or I'm going to fade out of this thing and let people know that I'm switching over. If they like it, awesome. If they don't like it, they'll unsubscribe. But as long as I'm doing what I want to do and I know that, you know, I'm going to develop my skills to be very good at it. And I also know that I'm going to be helping other people, not just the listeners, but also the people who come on my show um, so I can honor them as my, as my guest and really get into the good stuff that they want to talk about. Um, it's a win-win for everybody. And uh, I'm really happy that I did it because the, the the reviews for the sessions have been phenomenal. I mean, yeah. even better than I expected. Like, as you said, you know, people loved the sessions more than they loved Underground Wellness Radio. And they loved Underground Wellness Radio. And so um, I'm having fun, man. I'll be honest. Like, I'm actually reading a health book right now. It's a really good health book because um, I am doing a health podcast next week. And I'm just like – this is good, but I don't want to read this. This is good, but I don't want to read this, right? And it's just bringing it's just bringing those old feelings back. Like I don't want to read this. It's a good book. It's going to help a lot of people, but I don't want to read this right now because I've just read so many books on health that I just want to do something new. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. So, so the reason, so you just really were trying. You were being introspective, and I was that like a intentional like time of introspection like did you have some exercise or practice that you did where you like all of a sudden realized it or it sounds like it was kind of like this slow dawning of like yeah i just kind of started noticing more and more that like oh, i'm just not turned on by this anymore as quite as much yeah, like just wasn't turned on by it um i mean i, I i'm slightly turned on by, by the health stuff is interesting, but I just didn't have the enthusiasm that I had for it, you know, as compared to 2007 when I started my uh, my underground wellness, or actually it was the Food Dude YouTube channel. It was just a whole different feeling, and um, you know, it's hard to wake up, walk away from something like that. Underground wellness was a seven figure business. It made an enormous amount of money, and it helped a lot of people. And there was a lot of security in it, but I just, you know, I got to the point where I just couldn't really do it anymore. It's time to go. I just, I feel like that's so, to me, it's inspiring, man, because like, here, okay, so here's the next question. Why is it important to love what you do? 
Wow. Um, it's important to love what you do because you have to, you, you do it. I mean, oh man, that's a, that's a, that's a, I feel like it's a simple question, but it's a tough one to, to answer. You're awake, hopefully 16 hours of the day. If you're getting eight hours of sleep, you know, you have your free time to yourself. Um, but, but loving what you do is such a, a special thing because it doesn't feel like you have to do it. It feels like you want to do it, right? Even when I'm not working, getting ready for a podcast or something like that, I'm reading something that's in the, in the related field, right? I'm reading something about personal development. I love it. I have the best job in the world. You know, it's a trip. People send me emails and they're like, I know you're busy right now. I know you're busy, but, can, but please, can you do this? I know you're busy. And I'll just be reading it. And I'm like, I'm actually not that busy. I'm actually <laughs> lying in bed right now reading a book, you know, a book that I want to read. And the cool part about it is I get to go through it with my highlighter and with a pen and take notes and all that stuff. And when I'm done reading the book, I get to interview the author about it. Like, that's nuts. Like, that's my job. Yeah. That's crazy, right? That, there was yeah, a point I was awesome. thinking about this because, you know, I, I think what's really important is to ask ourselves, what do we want, you know, in our lives? And one thing that I wanted in my life was to read books for a living. And I read books for a living. It is awesome. That's awesome. When I was a personal trainer, I used to think that all the time because that's what I would do. When I wasn't personal training, I was at home, lying in bed, reading. And I always, always go, man, I love doing this. I wish I could get paid to do something like this. Um, and, and now I do it. It's a trip. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it was, it was kind of intentional and kind of like, oh man, like you just, it sounds like you just real, like obviously what you created, like the YouTube channel and, and the podcast and all that, obviously that was like with intention, but it sounds like it was almost like a realization like, oh man. That's crazy. What the heck? I just remembered. I at one time I said I wanted to be able to read for a living, and now I basically am. That's that's crazy. Yeah, I, I set a desire. I set you know a definite purpose. And when you do that, you know I keep telling people on the Facebook page, you have to decide what it is that you want to do. Don't worry about the how. Don't yeah. worry about the plans. Figure out what you want to do. Think about it over and over again. Keep that picture in your mind and just just stuff happens, right? And that's kind of what, what's happened with me. Stuff has just happened. People have come into my life. Situations have happened. And it's all these weird synchronicities have happened to kind of lead me, my community, and, you know, SeanCroxton.com to where it's at right now. That's where we're at right now. It's pretty cool. Trip. I'm curious, like, so you're saying reading the book, it's like, that's your job. Okay. How does that turn into money? Mm -hmm. Okay. So number one, I think most people are too consumed with the getting part. Okay. They go, I need to get a million dollars. I need to get more money. I need to get this. I need to get that. And they forget about the giving side of it. Mm -hmm. You know, we live in a action reaction universe, right? You do an action and there's a reaction that comes back to you. Now, one thing that I've always thought, maybe this is how I was raised, is to give, to be of service. When I was in eighth grade, I won like the service award, right? At graduation, I've always been down to give and help others. And I feel like when you help others and you put out really good content, I feel like they begin to know, like, and trust you. And when you think about people whom you buy from or companies that you buy from, they are companies that you know, like, and trust. And also, we have to consider that nobody likes to watch or listen to or read bad content. I make sure that everything that I put out is very high-quality content. I bust my ass on getting ready for a podcast. I mean, we're talking 30 to 40 hours of research and prep for a podcast, right? For one episode. Yeah, I actually stopped like being interviewed by people for podcasts for a long time because nobody was doing their prep. I can tell that they just sat down for maybe 10 minutes and wrote out some generic questions and fired them off. And I'll just be like, oh, well, that was kind of boring. 
right? right, right I can't right, even right. listen to podcasts because no one's doing the research. I can tell when someone's just been handed cards, you know, like here, ask them about this, and then they just read the questions and did it. Like, like I, I think that's terrible. Yeah, that's yeah. not good content. That's not somebody. That's not content that people are going to want to share, mm-hmm. right? That's not content that people are going to want to comment about. That's not content that people are going to want to come back and and listen to the next episode, right? That's terrible content. That the the creator of that content, what they're going to have to do. It's all these freaking Jedi ninja tricks that they learn at marketing conferences in order to get people to come to their content. I'm a huge fan of giving, 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 being real, being vulnerable, being authentic, being myself and honoring my guest as well as my listener and just providing badass content. That's what it's about because that's what's going to keep people coming back. I can tell you, and I'll get to the money part in a second, I probably spent in my entire business, which is seven years, probably $2,500 on Facebook ads, right? Which is nothing. And we've made millions of dollars with this business because the quality of the content is great. Now, in terms of finances, and it's very similar to, to what Marie Forleo does as well, right? I lead with content and then I do a launch, Right. Because these people who listen to my my podcast, they expect nothing but great stuff from me. So I'm going to create um, a new online event. We call them summits. I call mine the sessions where I interview people for like we have the depression sessions and the digestion sessions and the thyroid sessions. I interview people, 24 experts on that particular topic. We make it a two week online event. You can watch the the videos for free for 24 hours as a set. We take them down. We put up a new set. We take them down. We put up a new set and we sell thousands of those thousands. We've had huge, huge launches. And so that's how I earn income. And not only that, not only through my own launches, typically I do two a year. Last year I only did one because I was burnt out because I wasn't liking my job very much. Um, but also there are so many people on the email list now. There are 193,000 people on the email list now. We just cut it down a little bit. But they, um, I promote affiliate products to them as well. And so if somebody, like a friend of mine or somebody – a product creator creates a really cool product that I think is a great fit for my list and in my community, I'll promote it to them and I get a commission on that. And so, you know, I do that and it it just, it just, it kind of works. It it does well. Yeah. But if I feel like if I wasn't creating such great content, um, good consumable content that people like, I don't think the business would work. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. The word authentic in my head keeps coming up when, when I think of you, because again, I just, I read your emails and I feel like it's really good, like marketing, like it really draws me in like the, the subject line and the, you know, like the, the first few sentences and stuff like that. And it's stuff that you can like, I mean, if you have your own business, you've read about, like, you have to engage with people because, you know, they have a short attention span, blah, blah, blah. So I feel like you do it you do it, you do that, uh, skill well, if that makes sense. Um, but I also feel like that it's not like hollow and empty, kind of like what you were talking about, about the ninja tricks. Like, Mm -hmm. like it's just, it stops at that. It's like, it's like that you almost get tricked into, into reading it. And then it's like, well, I guess I'll buy that or something or, you know, whatever. Maybe they're not super happy about it in the long run, whatever. But, but I, but if I, if you, if people get your email and then they read your email, I'm like, I'm just scrolling through one of them, like as we're talking here, and I'm just like looking at it. It's one I've already read. Um, it's this one about. It says why I'm 38 and still single, and <laughs> and you talk in here, and and you're like, I'm like, damn it, I know this is, I know this is authentic. I know it's actually. You know, it's 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 uh, it's a true thing because you're talking about things that that people can identify with. This is real human stuff. Like, you know, um, I, I had this like list of excuses. You know, I'm I'm busy building my business. You know, I it's just I haven't met anyone that's my type. Like, you know, so on and so forth. And then you're like, yeah, blah blah blah. And like, let's get real though here, people. You know, and, but I'm 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 paraphrasing all this stuff. Right. But, but it's. Uh, I think it's so great that uh, I like getting your content because I feel like I get I get to consume something that 
is not only well done, but it's it's authentic. And to me, that's more. I think it's more rare. Like you're saying, you don't think it would work, but I I do think people have businesses that are quote unquote financially successful or whatever. And I don't think they are all authentic. Maybe for you it wouldn't work, but mm-hmm. I but I think unfortunately sometimes. I don't know. I don't think everybody's authentic in their business. Right, 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 right. I don't think I'm saying that I don't think it being inauthentic works for some people. I know people with uh, multiple six-figure businesses or seven-figure businesses, I should say, who write as a character, right? They're, it's, they're not even writing as a real person. It's actually a picture of a different person on the website with a different name, and they write in that character. But the situations that they're writing about aren't even real situations. They're, like, made up. Right. Really? Okay. So there's there's a a lot of that. Not to call, I'm not going to say anybody's names, but that happens a lot online. Um, For me, I just don't feel right doing something like that. I just want to be myself. And um, I don't know. I just, I think I can be a fairly interesting person. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) I think so. It's going to be real and just write what's on my mind. Um, You know, write a good subject line. I always ask myself, hey, you know, would I open that email? You know, is that a subject line that I would open up? Is it vague enough, but also powerful enough that makes me go, hmm, I want to know more about that. And, you know, I try to write copy. I've always been a, a good writer. I've been a good writer since I was a little kid in grade school. I always did well on, on writing stuff, on writing assignments. Um, I kind of had to tweak it because there's certain rules of writing that you grew up with in school that you kind of have to break when you become a, a, an email copywriter. Like um, don't end a sentence with a preposition? Like that kind of rule? <laughs> yeah, that's a, don't, don't start a, a, a sentence with the word and and, and all yeah, this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah all, all that. Um, you know, of course, you know, you only write one or two lines at a time instead of like writing big bulk paragraphs. If somebody opens up an email, it's got bulk paragraphs, they're probably not going to read it. Um, so just making it very read, readable and and, you know, I always say, I'm not sure where I learned this from. It might have been Eugene Schwartz, his book. But, you know, the first line of copy, the intention is to get them to read a second line of copy. And the second line of copy is to get them to read the third line. And after a while, you just kind of get them going. Um, so, you know, I, I, a lot of that stuff is just me. Usually I kind of like give my subconscious mind like a kind of a, an instruction the night before I write an email. Like, hey, think about a good subject line. And hey, think about something like a really cool story to write about that has something to do with my life that connects to the podcast that I did. And usually the next morning comes and I've got it or I'll be on the basketball court in the morning. I'll be like, ah, that's what I wanted. And I'll type it into my phone and then I just sit down and it takes like 15 minutes and I'll bang it out. That's really awesome. So I, I like that trick because um, it reminds me of something that I do too, that I, I try to sort of access my what I call my alpha brainwave state but basically it's that kind of like almost in between state where you're almost asleep but you're not quite asleep and stuff and it's like you can kind of consciously you're not like inhibited by oh I'm not supposed to think that way I'm not supposed to think that way it's like it's funny the way if I look at my my thoughts in my brain not only am I uh, sometimes inhibited in being around people and what I say and what I do even in my own brain, I'm inhibited by certain, I'm trying to abide by certain rules. And maybe some of the rules are ones I learned in eighth grade, like don't start a sentence with and. But, mm-hmm. um, but when, when you're in that like state of more unconscious and just like less in inhibitions, uh, I don't know, like that's where some of like my, I think best and you know most fun at least at least when I'm writing it's the most fun my thoughts are the most fun and and real and stuff like that so um I like that you use that you know to to program yourself to think of it overnight while you don't have those inhibitions so I'm curious about some of your other like practices and stuff like so so you said basketball in the morning I mean do you have like a normal kind of workout routine that you do no, I just kind of go to the – I usually get up at 5.30 or 6 and I'll go to the gym and I'll shoot for maybe an hour. Um, I have a Fitbit, so I'm always trying to you know hit a target on my, my Fitbit. Sometimes my buddy Royce meets me in the morning and we'll, we'll play some one-on-one. Usually I'm just out there shooting. I might lift, only lift like – twice a week now um i was getting kind of big i'm very responsive to, to to weight so i was getting pretty bulky for a while there i didn't like it so i've just been i've just been really focusing on getting as many steps as i can in a day and after that i come home and eat and take a shower and lie in my reading room and read books that's awesome well, 
you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be real with you and I'm going to let you know, uh, 30 to 40 hours per episode. Wow. You've just (laughs) set the bar a lot higher for me. I, I try to prep for my interviews. I definitely don't put 30 or 40 hours in each one. That's, that's amazing, man. I'm a junkie. I I have to, because here's the thing. And I've learned a lot from Howard Stern over the years because I feel like if you want to be a great interviewer, you have to listen to great interviewers, right? And so I listen to Howard. I've watched a lot of Barbara Walters. You know, I've watched as much Larry King as I can, Charlie Rose as well, Oprah. Um, I love Howard Stern. And, um, of course, Howard Stern has a research department, which is very helpful. You know, I used to think like, oh, my God, how does Howard Stern know all this stuff? Does he spend, like, all this time researching? He can't do that. I'm sure he doesn't have time for it. Um, So he has a research department. But I think what's really interesting or the best thing about interviewing people on the podcast is researching their backgrounds, researching their parents, right? Researching stuff that happened to them when they were little kids, researching those things that nobody else has asked about. And so, you know, that's what I'm doing when I'm doing 30, 35, 40 hours of, of research. You know, I'm reading their books. I'm reading um, websites that have something to do with them. I'm reading interviews. I don't like to listen to interviews, but I'm reading interviews. I'm doing whatever I can to get inside of their heads. And, you know, that's why, you know, very often on the podcast, not to blow my own horn, but they're, they're always like, oh my God, you really did your research. And they love that. And, you know, down the line, you know, these are people who, when they're coming out with something, I'll be able to reach out to them and, and, and say, hey, come back on the podcast and they'll come on. Or if I'm coming out with somebody, something, I'll be like, hey, would you mind promoting this? And they'll be like, yes, you spent 40 hours getting ready for my for our interview. <laughs> you, you crushed it. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I just love doing it. And again, I just feel like I'm honoring the guests by spending so much time doing it. And also I get to learn a ton of cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if this is an an- if this is an answerable question, but I wanted to ask, what have you learned from all those years of of you know the YouTubing and and the podcasting and the summits and all that stuff? What have you learned? Like, what are some of like the big things you've learned from that? Uh, what are some of the big things I've learned from that? Just how important it is to give. You know, that's that's really all it is. I remember when I first started doing YouTube videos. Because I would go to like conferences and stuff and I would come back and I'd make YouTube videos about some of the stuff I learned at the conference. And people would send me emails and be like, you shouldn't put that on YouTube. We just paid, you know, 990 something dollars to get that information. And I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to help people. Right. Um, I remember when I started my podcast, people would be like, you should charge people to listen to those podcasts. I'm like, no, I'm just I just love doing it. It's 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 awesome. It'll all pay for itself, you know, in time. Um, so I, again, the giving part is so important. I feel like a lot of people, they like to hold on to their content and keep it real close to them and not share it with anybody because they think it's so valuable that, you know, they need to charge for it. Like, oh, just, just give people appreciate when you give. And then at some point you create a product and then they'll give you money in return for, for what you've done. Uh, I think that's important. Um, Dealing with haters, I used to have a huge problem with haters and criticism and all that stuff. And and, and, and I would say it used to be at a level 12 on a 10-point scale. I would say that's a, it's a level 3 right now. Um, I just had this huge issue with criticism, um, caring what people thought. The, no, the, tw- the 12 out of 10 was inside like your internal reaction to it? or yeah. Okay, got it, got it. Yes, my, my internal reaction to it was, oh my God, like it's the end of the world. I just got criticized. I just called it, I got called a bad name by somebody on YouTube or something like that. Somebody made a YouTube video about me, you know, just, just stuff like that. Uh, was very hard for me to deal with. Um, at one point I even shut down like my YouTube channel and I shut down my Facebook and my Twitter. I quit. I was like, I don't want to do this. I just want to help people. And look what comes back. Like all these people hating on me and calling me names and stuff like this is crazy. Um, and that was a huge turning point right there because, you know, if I would have never come back, if I would have never restarted my business after shutting things down, I would probably be a miserable 38 year old man just constantly thinking about what could have been. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I've never been at a point in my life, like I've been depressed and anxious. And, you know, about 10 years ago, I was taking Paxil because I was so depressed, but I've never been so down in the dumps and miserable that I actually went online and started you know, calling people names and being mean to them. Mm. And so when somebody calls me a name online or they send me a really mean email, I go, wow, you know, it hurts a little bit. But at the same time, this person is, is dealing with some stuff in their lives. And all I can really do is have compassion for them. You know what I mean? And that's I, it. I, I do. It's, a, it's a really sad thing for somebody to go online and be that mean. Like your life must, must really suck 
if you send me mean tweets all day. And so, um, yeah, again, like, like I said, it was a level 12. Now it's about a level three. I don't react the way that I used to, but I'm sure that you probably find a couple of mean responses to emails out there that I've sent, but, you know, that's just being human. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, sure. Right. Right. Yeah. I uh, love that. I love that. And I, I just want to echo that a little bit because I would love for people to, to really hear what you, what you just said that, because that's the thing that you have to cultivate. I mean, that is something that happens over time. And I just a personal thing that I had recently, of course, I'm, I'm up in Minneapolis, I've got not quite the weather that you have down there, uh, a little bit jealous of that right now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's just finally starting to warm up here. And um, last Saturday, it was uh, 60 degrees. And that's warm enough that I went out on my bike, I like to ride. And I went out on my bike. And um, I, you know, I was actually in a short sleeve jersey, so it was like actually warm enough to not have like all this, like you know, hat on and all this stuff. I'm out riding, and I'm on the road down by the river, and I'm just like riding along on the road, you know, way over to the side. If if there was someone behind me, they could go around me, whatever. Somebody comes up driving like toward me, and they honk their horn. I'm like, I'm like, oh sweet, like someone, you know, I I, I ride my bicycle a lot, so I'm like, oh cool, someone that like knows me, like what who is that in there? I'm like kind of peering in and it's some guy and he, you know, of course this is a podcast so you guys can't see me, but it's some guy like f- giving me the bird with this, like uh, with this kind of scowl on his face. And he's, he's driving by as he's driving by me on the road. And I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what, what was that? You know? And yeah. um, I, but I, within about 10 seconds, I had this realization. I was like, holy cow, this is awesome. I'm not pissed off about this. Like, because there was, I've had a lot of anger in my past life. Like, not my past life, like it's not my life anymore, but just like in my past, I mean, I've I've had a lot of anger in here. You know, so if someone would do something that I would judge as a, as slighting me or something, I would like react right away or whatever, you know, like, how dare that guy give me the bird? What the hell is that, you know? Right, and right. And like, right away, I... I was like, this is awesome. I'm actually not even ticked. I'm like, I actually was just curious. Like, what is going on for that guy that he's giving me the bird right now? Like, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just out here riding my bike. That's how yeah. I'm showing up. The way he's showing up is he's scowling and giving people the bird. It, so it's, uh, and that's something that's like, literally, I mean, I'm still working on it and, but it has been years and years in the making that I've been trying to, to be able to cultivate that. And that, I think that's pretty much mirroring what you said, where it's like, man, what's going on for you that you're like sending these mean tweets and all this stuff. Like, so, so that's something yeah. that, that was a big lesson for you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a very... There's a lot of sad people out there. It's too bad. But, you know, I can't let sad people, you know, dictate my life and what I'm doing. I can just keep serving and reading books and interviewing people and having a good time, really. You know what? I do want to go back. to So you were talking about things that I've learned. I think one of the big things I had to learn was that, you know, when service is rendered, payment is due. Mm. I think that's really important. I feel like a lot of... um People on the online, on the internet, people in general, they get to this point where they're like, oh my God, I actually might start making money right now. I don't know how I feel about this, right? Because we have such terrible and limiting money paradigms that a lot of us have kind of inherited from the people around us as we're growing up. And I feel like for a lot of marketers online, personalities online, it's become something that we kind of butt up against um, on our rise to the top. And, um, you know, for, for a long time, I struggled with that. And, you know, I, I, kinda, I had to get to a point and I didn't realize how I got to this point until recently. I had to get to a point where I just kind of became OK with it. And, you know, I stopped that war within me that kept on leading to self-sabotage um, finally ended. And, you know, now I don't think twice about making money. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. We're going to make some money. As whereas before it became this nasty battle going on within. And so that's one thing that, that took some time for me to overcome. But I think it's just really important if you are an entrepreneur to, to really consider where it comes from and maybe do some things about it. Consider where the belief came from? Consider where the belief came from. There's a great book called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Well, I feel like everybody should read if you're going to be in a um, money-making business, 
which is all business. Um, you know, for me, I was taught that money didn't grow on trees. So I was taught that money was scarce growing up. Right. Um, I was taught that, you know, it was us versus them. Those rich people, you know, they do this, they do the other. Duh, 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 duh. Like there was something wrong with being rich. I was taught that money is something that happens to you. You play the lottery every week and it happens to you. It's not something you work for. It happens to you. The people who have it, they're not, they're not doing any work. They, they just, it was given to them, mm -hmm. right? You'll never be one of them. You don't want to be one of them because they're terrible people. Da, 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 da. And so when you grow up and it becomes time for you to actually make some money and the possibility is there, and it's also part of your, your goal to do it because you know that money can, can change your life and, and what you're going through. Um, again, you, you butt up against those beliefs, and uh, they'll sabotage you quickly. And so uh, when it comes to my frustration and for what for me back in the day was a lot of anger was that whole, hey, I want to do something, but for some reason I'm not doing it. Like, why am I not doing it? Why do I keep sabotaging myself when I'm trying to do this? And a lot of it was because of my own money paradigms where I thought that making money was going to make me some evil person that, you know, people weren't going to like anymore. Right. It was going to make me some type of sellout. Um, that, you know, it, it, I don't know, it just didn't fit the paradigm. And so, you know, again, I had to make a concerted effort to overcome that. Um, my first episode of the sessions, I interviewed Bob Proctor, and I, I finally realized how I was able to overcome that. And he says that, um, you know, and I don't want to get out, it's gonna take me forever to kind of go through the whole thing. But, you know, no, that's you okay. Have, this is, <clears throat> I mean, I think this right here is a huge gem for so many people. So please yeah. take your time on this one. Well, you have a conscious mind, and you have a subconscious mind. And the subconscious mind is littered with all of your negative paradigms. And we'll just use the, the idea of money. If you're negative paradigm about money is in your subconscious and saying all of these things, you can create as much as many conscious ideas of what you're going to do with money and how you're going to make money and your want to make money. But what happens is when we have these conscious ideas, we have to impress them upon the subconscious mind, right? And when you impress it upon the subconscious mind, the subconscious mind, if it has a completely different idea of what money is and who you're going to be with money, it's going to sabotage you. Like you are never going to be able to carry out the actions to bring yourself more money until your conscious mind, your subconscious mind are aligned, period, point blank, right? And you can think it's almost like, you know, people who try to lose weight consciously, they're going, I'm going to eat less. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do the other. But their subconscious mind is saying something completely different. That's why three weeks later, you're, or even two weeks later, you're right back to your old diet and sitting on the couch, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um because the subconscious dictates your actions. Now, Bob says, this is Bob Proctor, and he, he was my first guest on the sessions uh, last month. And I've been reading a lot of his stuff lately and watching his DVDs and all that stuff. And um, he says, in order to change the paradigm, in order to change the subconscious mind, in order to receive the instructions and agree with the instructions from the conscious mind, is through constant repetition, and it's through emotion. And as I said earlier, I had an image of my, in my mind of what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to get paid to read books. It's something that I thought about all of the time, right? Holding that image in my mind over time was able to almost convince the subconscious mind of that's what I would do, right? Number two is that there was this John D. Martini talk, and I can send you the link if you'd like it to share with your audience. Yeah, sure, that'd be um, great. It was an interview that John D. Martini did many years ago. My friend sent it to me. I think it was like 2008. And I listened to this interview hundreds of times, maybe a thousand times. I could probably recite the whole thing to you. Wherever I was at, if I had headphones in, I was listening to this John D. Martini talk, and it was all about money. It was all about the spirituality of money, the BS ideas that people have about money, all the great things that money can do, da, 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 da. values. A lot of people, like I know a lot of health practitioners who wonder why they don't have any money, and it's like, well, hey, you got books? Yeah, I got books. What percentage of your books are about health? Uh, 95 uh, What percentage of your books are about money and, and sales and, and marketing? Da, 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 da. 
I don't know, 1%, that's why you have a money problem because you don't have a good enough value on finances and making money, right? And so you don't hold a good enough or big enough value on it. It's not that important to you. And so I listened to this thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And the sabotage just went away. But I had to do it over and over again. It's almost like reps. You want to get bigger biceps, you go to the gym and you lift and you do reps, right? And over time, after doing all those reps, you're just able to to just build it into your bicep to get bigger. You've convinced your bicep to get bigger. Mm -hmm. But if you didn't do the reps, it ain't going to happen. And if you just consciously think, hey, biceps get bigger, they're not going to get bigger. You have to do the reps over time. And doing the reps over time... In order to keep doing the reps over time, you have to be emotionally involved, right? You can't just like force yourself to go go do the reps because at some point you're just going to quit. You have to be emotionally involved in building that muscle. And so the repetition of thought, the repetition of holding the image of, of my, in my mind of what I want to do, the repetition of listening to John Martini over and over and over again, impressed it upon my subconscious mind and convinced my subconscious mind of that's who I was, and that's what I was going to do. And that sabotage just went away, and that allowed me to carry out the actions in order to get the results that I'm getting. Right? I love it. I love it. That really speaks to me. That's, that's how it works. And here's the thing, and I've been studying this a lot as well. You guys got to check out Bob Proctor's work. It's, it's, he is, he's been in the game for 55 years. He yeah, is yeah. the best personal development um, speaker out there by far far blows everybody else away but he talks about this thing called the terror barrier and so you know you're getting particular results in your life let's say you're getting y results in the xy thing you're getting y results right and you're getting y results because you're doing y actions okay and those y actions are coming are happening because you have y in your subconscious mind and in your conscious mind so everything's in agreement you're saying i'm broke right you're broke consciously, you're broke subconsciously, and then you're carrying out broke-ass actions and you're getting broke-ass results. That's how it is, right? Let's say, and that's the Y pathway. Now, let's say you get X idea. I'm tired of being broke. I want to make more money, right? So you put X into that subconscious mind and you're trying to impress that upon, I'm sorry. Into the conscious mind. Conscious mind, right, exactly, good pickup. And you're trying to impress it into the subconscious mind, repeating, repetition, 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 emotion, emotion, emotion. How do you make it emotional? Because I think that's, I think that's the key is the emotion part. By believing, by having faith, right? When you mix the idea, when you mix the thought with faith, when you mix the thought with love, when you mix the thought with, with belief, right? You can even fake the funk, right? You can convince the subconscious mind to change over time. It's not going to happen overnight, but it will happen over time. So when you have that mental image in your mind, like I have this image, like if, if you look right across from me at my desk, there is the brochure for the house that I want to buy. That is the image that is in my mind. And when I look at it, I see myself in that house it's as if it's already happened. Right. So you create that image as if it's already happened. And when I think about me living in this house, I get emotional. Right. And I keep impressing it over and over and over again. So my subconscious mind, it goes in there. The thought goes in there over and over again. And the emotion goes in there with it. If I just said to myself, yeah, I'm going to live in this house. Cool. Subconscious mind isn't going to change. Subconscious mind is going to change when I add feeling to the thought. You got to read Think and Grow Rich. Take the first five chapters of Think and Grow Rich, Rich and read them over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And it'll connect all the dots as to why you're getting the results that you're getting or you're not getting the results that you want. I want to get to this XY thing again. Yeah. You're living a Y existence. Okay. Why is in the conscious? I'm broke. Why is in the subconscious? I'm broke. Mm-hmm. Why is in your actions? I'm broke. Why is in your results? You're broke. Okay. Now, if you get X idea into the subconscious mind, conscious I want to make money. I want to be successful. You're impressing it into that Y subconscious mind over time through repetition, through emotion. Well, here's the thing. At some point, you end up with X and Y in your subconscious mind at the same time. And you end up feeling conflicted. And this is almost like fear. This is what's called the terror barrier, right? This is where you're holding these two ideas in your subconscious mind and people freak out. How many people do you know who are like on the cusp of being successful or on the cusp of making a huge change in your life? And they freaked out because it wasn't comfortable anymore. 
And so they went back to doing the things that they used to do. Now, pushing through that, 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 that terror barrier, pushing through that XY, that's how you get the results that you want. But here's the thing. People don't expect it to happen this way. People expect it to happen so easily. I'm going to have an idea and it's just going to happen. It doesn't work that way. Whenever you try to get to wherever you want to go, you are going to encounter fear. You're going to encounter terror. Why? Because you're going into the unknown, right? It's a fearful place. It's an uncertain place. And people do not like uncertainty at all. Yeah. And so that's it. I think when people become aware of the fact that that's how it happens, and they understand that it's part of the journey, it's part of just the road to the destination, I think just being aware of that fact, being aware of the fact that there is a terror barrier really opens up things for people and lets them know like, hey, this is normal. Let me just push through and I'll go to where I want to go. But if I don't push through, I'm going to go back to where I was. I know Bob Proctor says that if if your goal or I might be using the wrong word when I say goal, but Essentially, like if your goal or your vision that you have for yourself, if it's not instigating that fear, then it's not big enough. Right, right. You you, you want to you want to make scary goals, right? right? There, there there are goals that you say. I think it's called an A type goal. A goal, an A type goal is like, okay, um, for he uses the example. Or I have a BMW in my garage, right? Okay, and. If I set a goal like, okay, my goal is to buy a BMW, I already know how to do that, mm. right? That's not a big enough goal. I've done it, right? I want to I know how to have uh, do a million-dollar launch or I want to do a million-dollar launch this year. That's not a big enough goal. We've done that before, right? B-type goal is a goal that you think you can do. And what that means is if this happens and that happens and the other happens and this happens, I'm going to be able to do this. So A is you know how to do it. You know, you've done it before. Yeah, yeah. B yeah. is you think you can do it. You already think you can do it, right? There's no challenge to, to, to something that you already think you can do. So it's right? a little bit more of a stretch, but not super, yeah. not, not scary. Right. It's not scary. C type goal, right? C type goal is a, is a scary girl goal and you don't know how to do it. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's what goes on with people is because they want to set a goal, but they go, oh, my God, I don't know how to do that. But that's not where you want to. That's not how you want to look at it. You want to ask yourself, what do I want? Right. No BS. What do you want? Don't be afraid. It's silly. Right. Don't be afraid of what somebody else is going to think about it. Look at their results. Right. You want to know what you want. And when you really figure out what you want and it scares you a little bit. The plans will unfold on the way. But I if you go it. into it and you're like, oh, I, I got to do this and here's the plan. Da, 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 that's the problem. We're always trying to plan our stuff out all the time. You know, what does Lisa Nichols say? If you know or if you're trying to make a plan, it's not a vision anymore. It's a plan. Hmm. Right. There's a difference between a vision and the plan. The vision comes first and everything un- else unfolds after that. It'll just happen. As I said earlier, I could tell you all kind of crazy stuff about, I'll tell you one thing. When I decided what I wanted to do with my business, I remember I said, I'm going to write this book. We're going to make so much money. We're going to help this many people. When I made that decision, I was doing a phone call. It was with um, a buddy of mine named named Alex. And uh, he was one of my clients and he did um, a food sensitivity test. And I was at home in the Bay Area. And this is when I didn't know anything about marketing at all. I'm at home in the Bay Area and it's Thanksgiving you know, time and I have my computer with me and um, I'm looking for his phone number because he and I have a call scheduled and I can't find his phone number. So I go online, I'm looking up his name, hoping I can find some type of contact information for him. And I go, wow, what are all these basketball training courses about? Right. There's all these links to basketball training courses with him in it. And I'm going, what is this about? Right. And so he ends up calling me. We get on the phone. I'm going through his result, results. And at some point he says to me, oh, oh yeah, man, I'm, I'm moving to San Diego soon. Now, I just made a mental note of that. And then, you know, later on in the conversation, we start talking about his basketball training programs. He's like, oh, yeah, dude, I met this guy named Elliot Hulse. And we started hanging out and he was doing this, that and the other uh, online. And I said, hey, I can do that. So I dropped out of school, not encouraging anybody to drop out of school. I dropped out of school and I started creating these basketball training programs. And now, you know, we make so much money and da 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 And I was like, OK, so 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 you're moving to to um, San Diego, where are you moving to? He's like, oh, we're moving to this business, to, to this building called Strata. 
downtown San Diego. And I'm moving in with a guy named David. David, I had met about a year or two before, the day before he became the intern for Ryan Lee, who at that time was one of the big marketers, uh, marketing coaches. Sean had met David or Alex had met David? Alex, Alex. Did I, did I say Sean? I'm no, like, no, no, no. Well, okay. you, you said I had, but I couldn't tell if you were speaking from your... No, I had met. Yeah, okay. I had. Okay, just, okay. Okay, okay, I got you. So two years two years prior to that, maybe a year or two prior to that, I was just in New York one day, and I was going to hang out with my boy Antonio, and a guy named David was there videoing like uh, something with, with Antonio. And the next day, David was going to be the intern for Ryan Lee, who's like one of the biggest names in marketing, right? Okay. And so Alex says to me, we're on this phone call, he says, I'm moving to Strata, downtown San Diego, and I'm moving in with David. Do you know David? And I was like, get out of here. <laughs> Strata was two blocks away from me. Wow. Two blocks away from me. Two of these brilliant young marketing minds were moving two blocks away from me. And it was just like, just things like that just kept on happening. So I started hanging out with them. They taught me marketing. They taught me how to get my stuff out to more people. They taught me how to develop products and stuff. And the rest is history. It's just so weird what happens when you make a decision, when you decide what your vision is. The plan, like I said, just kind of unfolds for you after that. You just have to just believe it or not. It's a trip. It is it's crazy. It is so crazy, man. I, I just I, I'm blown away by what has happened in my life. It's nuts. So I've recently had a new sort of epiphany about like what I want to do. It was very, very hard for me to say this out loud, even though it was only on the phone with just one person. It was just between him and me, but I still like, oh, can't even hardly say it out loud. Like I was just freaking out about it. And, but this guy, you know, it's just a, a friend of mine and he was just encouraging me. He's like, just say it, man, just say it. And, and I was like, okay, I want to help 10,000 people reach their vibrant potential in 12 months. And for, and for me, I mean, I don't have a list of 193,000 people. Mm. Uh, so yet, yet right now. And so to say that, it was just, I don't know how I'm going to do that. And so like everything you just said, I'm like, yes, I know. I totally get it. Like I totally just did that. Like, like I was so excited about it. Mm. And, and what's cool is I, I just think there's so many reasons why this, why this declaration was huge for me. And one of the reasons was because it's bigger than me. Mm -hmm. it, you know what never, what never drives me is... My goal is to make $600,000 this year. That never, right. that never like does anything for me. It sounds cool. Like, yeah, like, like, okay, cool. I'll be able to buy the whatever car. And I mean, I, but it doesn't, it doesn't, there's no emotion. That's why I was like, how do you get the emotion? That's why I was like digging for that because right. I really did feel the emotion on this one. It was, and, and I think part of it was because it was actually about giving. It was about contributing. It was about me helping other people. That's it. But it, it was in a way that I felt I could do. And it was just, I don't know, it just felt meaningful. And so I, like, I just had that passion. And, and so here's like the, the interesting little like serendipitous thing as far as like the I don't know how part. I still don't know all the way how, but, um, but I, I identified that I wanted to have a membership site. And I wanted it to be able to be a no-brainer for people. I wanted it to be <clears> so cheap. And so it's only like I'm I'm aiming for it to be only ten dollars a month. So like anybody, anybody could afford it, right? But I'm like, I don't really know how to quite even make that site and stuff. And I ended up having a patient that believed in me so much that he was like and he didn't even know everything about this. I didn't even tell him all about this, that piece of it yet. But he just loved the work that I do in the clinic so much that he was like, he's like, man, we got to get you out there more. Like, like you got to help me. He, it turns out that he's the owner. He owns a marketing firm, like in downtown Minneapolis. He owns like this whole firm. And he's like, please let me just help you. Like, I'm just going to, we're just going to like make this website and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know if I really can spend like five grand on a website right now. I don't know. And he's like, 
He's like, no, no, I'm just, we're just going to do it for you. And he's like, not to be rude, but this isn't a $5,000 website. This is like a hundred thousand dollar website. And I'm like, what? Like, what the heck? What just happened? Like, uh, thank you. Yeah. universe like yeah. it, that's what happens you got to check out bob's stuff because he talks about the vibration the thoughts create the vibration right and, and when when your when your mind starts to vibrate on a higher level it attracts certain things to you people who are vibrating on this this higher level start to come to you things ideas opportunities they start to come to you it sounds weird but it works it's just like a law of the universe is a trip. I do want to go a little bit deeper on this, though. You said you have, you, you don't want to have just a like a six hundred thousand dollar goal. It doesn't do it for you, okay? Yeah, yeah, right. Um, for me, my goal this year, I want to make ten million dollars. Right. Okay. Okay. I want to buy the house at seventy two thirty two. I'm not going to say the, the entire thing, but I know exactly the house that I want to buy. Um, and people can say, ah, it's material stuff. However. Part of that, a huge part of that, is what can you do, Chris, with $600,000, okay? Last year or a couple of years ago, I built a school in Guatemala. And, and it was kind of abstract. You know, I was like, okay, I gave the money and did it. I know it's going to help people. I dedicated it to my mom, and it was for her Christmas present. And then this past uh, December, her Christmas present was to go to Guatemala. We were going to go see the school. And that's awesome. My mom and I went, we took my niece, we went to Guatemala, we got to see the school, we got to see the kids, we got to see the families who were, who were impacted by that. That's huge, right? So think about that 600 grand and what you would do. That's a great way to add emotion. When I make my $10 million, I'm going to build a school every month, maybe every week. I just, I'm getting ready for an interview with Nicole Lappin uh, I'm doing next week, and one of her... Um, foundations that she's an ambassador for. It's called Operation Smile, which does surgeries for children born with cleft palates, right? Yeah. I'm going to do that, right? I want to start, I'm going to start scholarships at my high school because I went to high school for free, a private school for free um, because we went through some hard times when I was a kid. Uh, I'm going to start scholarship at my elementary school. I'm going to start a gardening program at the Alameda Boys and Girls Club and probably all the Boys and Girls Clubs nationwide because they were huge in terms of influencing how I turned out right when I was a kid. And so you got to think about what that money is going to do beyond just the idea of the money. Mm. Right. And what you can do for your business if you were to make six or when you make six hundred thousand dollars, how many people you're going to be able to employ. Right. Because when you employ somebody that puts food on their table, that puts a roof over their head that helps their family out. Right. And so don't just think about the money. Think about all those other things. Now, another thing, you may have a six hundred thousand dollar goal. And this is a paradigm that people need to get over when you reach your six hundred thousand dollar goal, if that eventually becomes your goal you're going to want more. And a lot of people say, well, that's terrible. He already has enough money. Why is he going to want more? (laughs) Because it's not about the goal, Chris. It's not about the goal. It's about the growth, Right. right? If you're not striving toward a goal, if you're satisfied with the way things are, if I was satisfied with making what I made last year and having the same amount of impact I had last year, I would be bored out of my mind because I already know how to do that. Right. And the process to me, achieving that goal allowed for so much growth. And if you're not having if you're not setting higher goals, you're not only just not growing, you're kind of like going backwards. Absolutely. I always tell people this all the time. You're either growing or you're dying in nature. Nothing is stagnant. Exactly. Nothing to say. We live in a, in a ocean of motion, right? Everything is always growing or it's dying. And so when people say that person's already rich, why are they trying to get richer? It's because they want to grow. And until you have an understanding of that, it's hard to become successful, mm. period. Understand that. Understand the terror barrier. Understand your subconscious mind and how old stuff that wasn't even your fault is having a playing a huge role in the results that you're getting right now, and it will change your life. It's real talk. Holy crap, Sean. I, I just love this. Uh, this is so good. What do you think about this? I feel like I feel like if you say that you're if you 
whether you say it out loud or whether you just say it in your head, it's like I'm making fifty thousand a year, or I'm making five hundred thousand, or five million, or whatever the number is, um, or I'm already helping a hundred patients a week, like, and that's enough or whatever. If you're not stretching, like you were just talking about, I feel like it's a you're kind of signaling the universe. Mm-hmm. It's just like I'm basically done here. Yeah, like you know what I mean. Like, eh, I've done it. You know, okay, that's it. Like, I'm good. I'm I'm good to go. Like, I'm out or something. Yeah, you're satisfied. Yeah, you're not really in it anymore. Like, you're not playing the game of life anymore, and and you're not gonna have that same like passion for life and stuff. You know what, Chris? I think this is one of the prime reasons for depression. Yes, really, depression, yeah. anxiety, because people. You ever like? Oh, sometimes. Sometimes I like, especially when I was off work for a couple months in between Underground Wellness and my new podcast, I didn't know if I wanted to go eat or if I wanted to go shopping or if I wanted to go um, to the movies. But I knew I wanted to get out of the house. Mm-hmm. And so I would get in my car and I would drive. And I would drive with no destination at all. I still couldn't figure out where I wanted to go. <laughs> and it was just like, it was just, I'm just driving. I'm just going. Uh, right? yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like people live their lives like that. They're just driving, but they don't know where they're going. And that's not very uplifting at all. Right. It's depressing. And I remember I would just like get off the freeway and go around and get right back on the freeway and come back home and just sit here and watch TV. Cause if you don't know where you're going, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. Period. Yeah, yeah. You're depressed. And right. And something that Napoleon Hill writes about and Bob writes about as well. You really got to get into these writings, man is Desire is what gives you the energy. And desire is knowing what you want. When you know what you want, you get the energy to go after what you want. But if you don't know what you want in life, if you have no purpose, or if you like, you know, I I wrote on Facebook the other day, you know, one of the most powerful and life-changing questions you can ask yourself is, what do you want? And a few people said, I don't want anything. I'm fine with the way things are. I couldn't imagine living that miserable existence, Mm. right? Because you're just living with zero destination, with no room for growth. You're just satisfied. If, if, if people live their life satisfied in general, we wouldn't have iPhones. We wouldn't have computers. We wouldn't have airplanes. We wouldn't have any of the cool stuff that we have. Mm-hmm. Somebody had to make, made, make a decision and say, hey, I am unsatisfied writing somebody a freaking letter. Right? And, I want email. And there's this other thing where the, the people that are like, okay, I'm happy with what I have. That's because I, I'm into like, I love, I like Taoism. I like Buddhism and stuff and like non-attachment and, and stuff. And, and so I think that there's a misconception that people have to either be, you know, a, I'm either striving and wanting and desiring and stuff like that. And, and desires the root of all evil and, you know, and suffering and all that stuff. Or I have to be, just be content with what I have. But actually I think there's a third uh, place to be. That's actually the, would be my goal to be is I want to keep wanting and, and growing and I not resisting where I am. That's the part where that part can cause a lot of angst for people too, where yeah. it's like, I should already have 600,000 or I should already have such and so many people on a list or, or whatever. Um, so it's, it's accepting what is it's accepting reality as what it is. And it's the desire to grow. Sean, we got to wrap it up here pretty soon. What's your number one health tip for people? Oh, just eat real food um, is really important to me. Um, I think that we get so bogged down with all these different diets, whether you're paleo or you're vegan or you're Atkins or you're keto or you do um, The common denominator amongst them all is eat real food. Um, I'm a huge fan of eating real food. I eat real food 90% of the time because I don't think anybody is, anybody can expect themselves to eat it 100% of the time. You have to live. You got to be human, right? Um, number two, and I think this is really important, and you'll, you'll learn more about this if you read Mind Over Medicine by uh, Dr. Lisa Rankin. Um, your health has less to do with your diet and your exercise and more to do with you being in a community, interacting with people not being lonely, getting out there and participating in the world, having goals, living your purpose, listening to your intuition. That's important. We're too busy arguing over what these people ate and those people ate. Da, 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 da. If you look at them all, they're very communal people, right? They have purposes. They have a reason to get up in the morning. 
you don't have a reason to get up in the morning, you know, your body just kind of goes, well, we can just wither away and go. Right. And so start thinking about that. You've heard about people who live to be 104 years old eating Twinkies and smoking cigarettes. Right. Yeah. Like the lady who was just at the White House recently, who was she's like 104 and was dancing. Right. You see, if someone goes to the, the White House at 104 years old and is dancing with, with Barack Obama, imagine the attitude that she grew up with. Yeah. Imagine just who she was right throughout her life. She's dancing in the White House. She's enjoying it. She's having a good time. So if you're walking through life miserable with no purpose, but you're trying to eat real food all the time and exercise your butt off in order to counteract it, just know that it isn't going to work that well. Mm. You got to live. And so that's two tips, but sad to say that. Okay, man. I I like the first one, but I love the second one. <laughs> Mind over medicine. Mind over medicine. Read that book. There's a lot of subconscious, conscious mind stuff in there as well. You'll dig it. Okay, that's that's good. That's that's on my list then. That's one I have not uh, read yet, so that's on my list. Uh, Sean, thank you so much. For real, thank you so much, brother, for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it as well. Today's inspired action invite has to do with Sean's story about Bob Proctor and the conscious mind and the subconscious mind really lining up in order to get what you want in life. Here's my inspired action invite for you today. You can't have your conscious mind and your subconscious mind match up if you don't even know in your conscious mind what you want. So first things first, take five minutes and just journal about what you want your life to look like. And like Sean said in the interview, don't worry about if it's silly or what people think or what you should be doing. Sit down by yourself, five minutes, and really write out what you want. Heck, I don't know, maybe you'll be writing for an hour, but just sit down for five minutes and start writing and see what happens. I'm Dr. Chris Frickman, and here's to your vibrant potential. Visit drchrisfrickman.com for more cutting-edge content, including nutrition and detoxification advice, unique fitness videos, and more.